God is so good. And his goodness looks like something. He's not just theologically good. He's not just doctrinally good. He's not just good in a detached way. I think one of the things we're learning is God's goodness shows up and gets you 1,500 quid through you just giving account or heals your body. Um, and we're in this series about, about healing. And I know for some of you it's, it's a bit of a stretch, this. I know it's sort of messing with your heads. And I, I just thought I'd begin this morning just talking a little bit about, about my story because I think my journey in this, uh, is I've been at least as messed with as you are um, thinking about this subject. And what I'm aware of is in our culture, both Christian and our worldview, it's like every time you deal with an issue, another one arises. Getting to the heart of this, for a lot of us, is like, is like peeling an onion. So I'll deal with one objection you may have, and then straight away something else leaps up on the inside of you, and you go, what about, what about? I, I just want you to know, I've, I've been there. <clears throat> and, and at the beginning of this series, I said, it's taken me 25 years to be ready to say this, and I'm not joking. Uh, 25 years ago, God started to use me uh, quite wonderfully in healing and uh, it was about a time some of you will know the name John Wimber he was kind of the founder of what became Vineyard and he came to this country in the mid 80s and uh, I've told this story before I went to probably one of the first conferences he held in the UK it was down in London and I remember being completely freaked by the whole thing I remember standing in a room at a seminar in a room much bigger than this with 500 people in and I, it was so full I couldn't get a seat I was pressed against the back wall and, and this guy part of the team was ministering and he called a whole line of people out to the front of the meeting and invited the Holy Spirit to touch them I mean you think some things happened here weird this was weird on a whole other level they were falling down they were flopping on the floor like fish uh, and I'm going I'd like to leave now um, and then he started to walk up and down the aisle and pick people out and sort of prophesy over them. And as he walked by one aisle, this guy, this freaky guy with a beard, literally got out of his chair and was walking like this out of his chairs and up behind to so the, the ministry guys in front of him. And he thought, you're, like, you're just about to scream out, he's behind you. you know, he's, and he's trying to strangle you. This, uh, clearly, he's a demonized man. And, and he turns around and he just commands the demon out of him in Jesus' name. The guy hits the floor. And listen, I, I've got, now got a migraine. And I'm, I'm really, every night actually I went back to my hotel room with a bad headache, literally. Because this, this display of supernatural was just way, way beyond anything. I believed in healing, but to see this thing was freaking me out. And I was at the back of the room going... God, I want to leave. But you know what it's like? It was jammed full. There's people either side of me, people around the door. You just wanted to make an easy exit. Ever felt like that in a meeting? <laughs> and, and I'm standing there and God says to me, I want you to stay here. It was really clear. That sort of inner audible voice, stay here. I'm totally messing this thing up, aren't I? It's bugging me. That's what it is. My Rice Krispies bugging me. There we go. Thanks. It's taken four of us to get this thing on my ear. How about that? That's how technically challenged I am. So I'm there at the back and I'm going, God, I want to get out of here. And he says to me, I don't want you to leave because when this happens in your church, I don't want you to stop it. 
oh. I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> and it's going to happen. And I went back and it started. And we, <laughs> we had one guy who was so skeptical. He said, I can't believe in this stuff. And then he, he was sitting down listening to me tell the stories. And his head was against the wall. A guy came t- called Tony and I said, uh, Tony, are you all right? He said, I can't move. I said, what do you mean you can't move? My head is glued to the wall. I thought what you were talking about was weird, but I am actually frozen to the wall. And he was there, I don't know for how long, but he was frozen to the wall. We had guys getting saved, getting words of knowledge for their friends in the pub. They didn't know what a word of knowledge was. And then we ran some healing meetings, which was... Which was a, I saw some amazing stuff. I saw multiple sclerosis healed. Uh, we saw a number of injuries healed. We saw people with neck complaints that they suffered with. They'd been to everything. They'd been to acupuncture. They'd been... I remember one meeting so clearly, the anointing was so powerful. We just had a series of words of knowledge, just called them out. And as we called them out, they were absolutely accurate. And as we called them out, people walked to the front and they got healed straight away. And then word got out what was happening. And uh, we got called to the bedside of a woman dying of cancer. And she was skin and bone. She was literally skeletal. And her husband invited us to come and pray for her. And she'd got this... You know, I don't know, every five minutes injected her with more morphine just to handle the pain, an automatic thingy. Uh, and he invites a, us to go pray and we sit down and before he takes us upstairs to see her, and he says, look, we, we, we go to church. I'm not really a believer. It's my wife is the believer. I'm, I'm not sure, but if there's anything you can do, help us. So we went up, saw this woman and, and prayed and the presence of God came in the room and the unbelieving husband started speaking in tongues. I don't, still don't, can't explain that. Uh, but the woman died uh, and that was really tough. And then we had uh, some non-Christians were hearing about this and they brought uh, a non-Christian couple who were desperate. Their two-year-old girl had a huge growth uh, that was killing her on the back of her neck. <clears throat> and they heard about healing meetings and miracles and they bought this this girl and um, we prayed we cried out to God we laid hands we did everything we could do but but they they buried her not long after and we had zero success you know it didn't even shrink there was no breakthrough at all and uh, I was gutted and I was a whole load of things were going on the inside one I'm really disappointed like God you know we cried out to you we fasted we you know, we bound it, we cast it out, we did whatever we could do. But I, the other thing was, I think I was offended with God. Because it's really embarrassing, personally, to go through that and speak encouragement and faith into people and then it fails. And I was like, you put me in a pretty rubbish position here, God. You set me up for absolute pasting. And uh, the third thing I felt was that this is just so dangerous. We, you know, I'm getting people's hopes up only for them to be dashed. And particularly these guys were, were non-Christians and uh, they didn't really want to know anything about the church afterwards. Uh, so my sense of commitment to this thing definitely waned at that point. And, and I think I started to look. Anybody associate with any of this? So, so I've, we have now been involved with praying for three people with cancer and we had to bury all of them. Um, 
And it, do, it can do something to you on the inside, which is in the realm of you get offended with God. You know, here we were trying to be good Christians, believing this amazing gospel, praying for these people, and you didn't do it, God. You can feel bad because you got their hopes up. Uh, and both, you know, it's the family of the person that suffers, and etc. And it's just deeply disappointing. Um, I mean, it's wonderfully glorious when things happen, but deeply disappointing when they don't. And, and I think, I don't totally know what went on inside of me, but I can identify those three problems that this gave me, and, and I definitely started to back off and started to look for uh, theological answers to explain my dilemma and my pain and disappointment I really perhaps began to think that what I'd understood biblically was incorrect and that my hopes were too high and I was getting other people's hopes too high. Um, so I probably spent the next 15 years reading lots of commentaries trying to find a better explanation to make me feel better about not having these kind of breakthroughs. Does that, does that make any Am I making sense here? Um, we still carried on and did the odd healing meeting we saw a few things happen. One of them I famously did just having had a vasectomy and was told by all my friends that it would be completely pain-free. Uh, and so this was the next day after my operation and I was like, oh, anyone want to be healed, come forward. Oh. Uh, it was hilarious <laughs> for everybody else who knew what was going on. Uh, and we went into the, this was in Newcastle, we were, sort of took on a church plant in Newcastle, and I just said, we're going to go to the worst place in the city, we're going to knock on every door, and we're going to invite them to a healing meeting. And everybody's like, what about our cars, and what about our safety? Well, we went and did it, we're completely safe, and people came to this meeting, and some people were touched, like nothing dramatic, uh, but it was kind of gets you out of your fear, doesn't it, when you do the worst thing first, everything's downhill from there. Uh, and then we ran another one in another rough place and it was rubbish it was a wet cold night the only thing we prayed for was a dog <laughs> I'm serious somebody, somebody rocked up really late and bought their sick dog for us to pray for that was it that was the end of my healing meeting days I have to confess <laughs> praying for a sick dog I don't think even the dog got better so it was not a glorious testimony. So, you know, I've buried people with cancer. I've prayed for sick dogs and it didn't work. I'm not coming at this, you know, fresh and dewy-eyed with no experience. I'm not coming at this not having thought about all the things you're thinking about. Uh, one of the reasons it's taking so long to talk about it is because this is a deeply ingrained issue in us that needs digging out and bringing into the light of truth. We are deeply skeptical, deeply defended, and we have, all of us have got horror stories. Maybe some of your horror stories are worse than mine. But they push you to come up with an explanation because you want to be obeying God. But you know, after burying a couple of people with cancer, you don't fancy obeying God playing the pain for the sick anymore. So you look for a reason why it's all sovereignly Him. And I'll join in when it's obviously He's doing something. And that actually, that way of doing it isn't very often. So I'll give you an example where I ended up. We had a girl live with us at Lodger back in the mid-90s. And she, she was, Penny, be happy for, 
for you to know her name. She uh, was severely abused as a kid. And the effect of that was pretty much every joint in her body ached severely. So she'd come in from work, and sometimes she'd have to lie down on our sofa for an hour before she could walk the one flight of stairs to go to her room. She had uh, splints on her wrist to support her wrists, and and knee supports, every joint was in severe pain and I didn't pray for her but she asked to pray and actually although she lived in our house I was like well I need to pray and wait and pray with you with a woman, I ended up praying with her I mean Teresa's in the house so it took forever to pray with this lass and I booked an appointment in our office which we had uh, with another lass from the church and we prayed and I felt no anointing no faith, I just thought well she's asked for it, we should do this Anyway, she started doing odd things. She never said anything, but she went to, um, she went in our backyard. We just had a yard at the time, and our boys still lived at home, and they're into basketball. And I remember this day, this was a, at least a week after we'd prayed, hearing Penny bouncing a basketball. If you know anything about, a basketball is heavy, and it takes a bit of pressure on your wrist. And then she'd arrive at the front door slightly sweaty from work, and we're like, you work in an office, what's going on? And after a week, 10 days, she said, well, I just wanted to check it all out. She said, every joint in my body is pain-free. I'm jogging home from work. I've joined the football club. <laughs> so I'm like, this still works, even when you've got no faith, no feelings. This is still, there's something, there's something. I would go to Mexico and call out words of knowledge. I remember having a word of knowledge for someone with a dead arm. The thing in Mexico is when you call out words and lines, you get specific ones, everybody comes out, what's wrong with them? So we're going to pray for the sick, and I only want to pray for a car accident with a headache and someone with a dysfunctional left arm. About 50 people come out with every kind of disease, and I'm trying to find the two people with the thing that I've called out. And I remember praying for the guy with the dodgy arm, and said, I'm just going to shake your hand. I had to ask him to let me go, and my Spanish is crap. So it was like, he's all this feeling and sensation and and movement and power came back into his arm as I was praying for him. It was great to come back telling these stories. But deep on the inside, I was dysfunctional towards God about this whole whole issue. Um, I couldn't deal with some of the things I've outlined. You know, I've outlined we have five problems with this. We have style issues. We have pastoral issues. How do we manage people who aren't doing, you know, who are dying and we're praying for them? How, how, what theological issues? We have cultural issues. We have all this stuff going on. Uh, we have our own emotional issues and reactions to this. That's why it takes time. You, 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 we are all carrying stuff. Uh, but I think in all these encounters that we've been having over the last couple of years, I... I've just met with God again in a whole new level and we're just seeing healings all the time. Ha <laughs> ha. Isn't that cool? You know, we've gone from something occasionally to all the time. We just, we just expect people to get well. <laughs> Isn't that outrageous? If you're sick today, I'm expecting you to leave here better than when you walked in. Because you're listening to me. And because you're in the presence of God. And there are people around you who believe him. And the Bible says if we believe in him, then we'll do the same things he did. 
Anybody a believer? Okay. You are officially awesome in power. Just look at yourself and say, I'm incredibly awesome. <laughs> and I didn't realize it. So I was disappointed. I was offended. I found all the difficult scriptures, you know, the ones that are hard. Why, why you know, kind of meditated a lot on Job. Um, so it's taken a big revolution from God to get me where I am now. So all the things I'm teaching you are a lot of it's fresh to me that's helped me move out of that place of, of disappointment and struggle that I was in. Uh, huh, I think just seeing lots of healings changed me. Going to Bethel changed me. I think what I loved about what I observed in the environment in Bethel is they're seeing lots of lots of healings. I remember one of the first guys Nick and I met was a, a retired plastic surgeon who'd moved down from, was it Oregon or somewhere he lived or? or uh, up, up that way, just because he loved praying for people in the prayer room. He was one of the first guys we met, and he, he was just lovely, and said, what are you doing here? Oh, I just love praying for the sick. He said, it was so good last week. We had a girl down from Canada. She was only 11 years old, just lo- looked into her lovely brown eyes, and one of them was blinded, and not, me and my team prayed, and she got sight back, and it's just so glorious. <laughs> I've seen a blind person healed in a meeting that I was leading. Certified blind could just about read the words on a screen through a telescope against one eye. Had a guard, a guard dog, a guide dog. <laughs> well, it functioned in both ways. Um, and we re-celebrated that. But then you kind of, if you don't resolve these inner issues, you just go back to, oh well, it was a bit of a one-off. It was God's sovereign, just broken. We got lucky this week, kind of approach to it all. Um, and something started to change. I saw the way. Something in Bethel was really cool was, so like one of Bill Johnson's sons, Bill leads this church, is profoundly deaf and wears hearing aids. But he's completely secure. They're still, I guess, believing for his healing. So they've got all these miracles happening all around them, but they're still burying people. They've still got people who aren't fixed yet. But they seem to be able to live in an environment without feeling threatened, condemned. Yeah? In fact, this guy, Bill's son, has prayed, was it for three three people with the same kind of issue and seen them healed. And I thought, the environment, this is healthy. You can, you, you can not have a breakthrough yet and not feel you've got to leave the church. Yeah? Not because you just feel so out of it in all these great stories. And in fact, they experience often more things happening for people who visit them than sometimes even their own folks. So they're walking in this tension. Uh, and they're walking in this mystery and we handle mystery very badly I really want to I really wanted to understand why it went wrong in, this was my perspective why I wanted an, I wanted a, I, I was absolutely desperate for an explanation and I believe our culture is addicted to explanation you start to get kind of withdrawal symptoms if you can't have an explanation that satisfies you intellectually do you know you start, it's a bit like coming off drugs and you're kind of cold turkey with no explanation. You've got to have an explanation that's solid and sound and, well, why? Paul didn't claim to be able to explain everything. He's got those moments where he goes, oh, the, you know, the wonder and the mystery of God. He just kind of, okay, I've told you all I know. The rest is just, wow. 
You know, but in our culture, to not understand and not be able to give an explanation is like the unforgivable sin. It's like the ultimate, you know, you, you must be thick to believe in something you can't explain from every angle. You're just stupid, come on. You should know why this works and why it doesn't work. Um, and that's what I felt, and I didn't have an explanation. So I looked for one, and I found one. And it was based in Bible verses. Um, but then I'm trapped in my explanation. I'm trapped in this explanation that it's kind of, my explanation really, I never called it this, but with, with hindsight, it was kind of lucky dip. I sort of, see, if, it's, if this thing isn't happening, we want to know why. So we have to, we have to point the gun somewhere. We have to park the blame in some place. Is that? So I don't want it all to be my fault (laughs) that I buried three people who had cancer that I prayed for. That's a heavy thing to carry, is it not? You know, I didn't have the faith and they died. I didn't want that to be true. Even if it is true, I didn't want it to be true. I didn't want to listen to that explanation. So my explanation starts to become much more, bless you, much more about, be healed in Jesus' name, it becomes much more about, well, you know, it's God and his sovereignty, you know, his mysterious ways, he does do what he wants to do, you know, sometimes we suffer and sometimes we get sick and that's suffering and sometimes he does what he wants to do, sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. And, you know, the kingdom's coming in measure. You know, it's the already and the not yet. But I started to put so much in the not yet that I didn't have much already. If you've heard that explanation of the kingdom of God, it's like we have something of the kingdom. It's already come, but there's much more to come. And it's called the already and the not yet. So we, we postpone stuff to the end uh, more and more. So I put more and more to the end of Jesus' return than I could have now. And, you know, it was all God's decision and then I wasn't going to get anybody, you know, as a church leader, I wasn't getting anybody's hopes up for a breakthrough. That's easier to pastor, I was thinking, than getting people's hopes up for a breakthrough. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're like coming in and they're all sick and I'm saying, you can be healed. We're believing for healing. This is God's will for you. And some of you don't get healed. They're kind of coming knocking on my door going, well, I'm not healed. What's up with you? It can't be true. It's not in the Bible. It's a lot easier to say, look, you know, God shows up. Praise God. We'll pray for you. If it happens, praise God. If it doesn't, tough. But praise God. I need this thing to be healed in Jesus' name. It's driving me crazier than the... Is it upside down? It feels all right now. We're sticking in my eye. You can hear me. That's the main thing. Um, I just see this Rice Krispie kind of go... I've got to move on. I shouldn't draw attention to it. It makes it worse. Um, pardon me? No, it's, it's... All right then, yeah. Excuse me while my assistant fixes me.
It's only 70 quid worth of microphones. That's fine. That's good. Whatever. That's good. It looks the same as before, but that's good. <laughs> so, I think I've seen something. I can't explain everything, but I've seen more than I'd seen before. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. That has got me out of disappointment. It's got me out of frustration. It's got me out of blaming God. It's got me out of lottery mentality. And in a place, I think that we can go forward to see the miracles of God and yet handle somehow the pastoral implications of when it doesn't work. All right? Can we go with that? Because, but you need the whole series. And I'm not just promoting, there's a whole, this is now number five. And honestly, you need to listen to all of it. You can download it. If you don't get all of it, you won't get it. Because it fits, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle, and it all relates together. Uh, and each, I, I've done it this way on purpose, because I'm sly and cunning. <laughs> so I think it was Simon I was talking to in, in interns, and he said, "Yeah, the first two weeks I was really with you. Then you landed that Acts 10:38 on us, and I'm like, I don't know if I get that. I said, Well, listen to the first two, and then you'll understand the third one. Okay. And then we did last week, and then this week. And then I'll leave you. I'll go to Mozambique and you can think about it for a couple of weeks, all right? So go. And then I come back. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about already and not yet. Today, in the time that I've got, I just want to talk about... Um, I did all that very well, thank you. The cross. The cross and our well-being. And I was going to read three scriptures, but for time we're only going to read one and I'll refer to the other two so if you want to turn to Isaiah 53 that would be quickly would be extremely helpful Uh, I'm not going to read the NIV though so that may confuse you anyway I'm going to read it the way it's quoted in Matthew in the New Testament so Isaiah 53 Uh, verse 4 this is probably the most famous Old Testament prophecy speaking about everybody knows and believes that this is prophesying the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus and it's just so clear verse 4 but what I'm reading you particularly verse 4 is how it's quoted in Matthew alright 8.17 and how it's the meaning of the words that's in the NASB margin alright so this isn't the first four isn't how it appears in the NIV, but, but, but you'll see. Surely our sickness he himself bore and our pains he carried. And that's how, exactly how Matthew quotes it in Matthew eight seventeen. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging or by his whipping we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Okay, now, to totally get this, we just need to back up a step and, and, and hear this, that healing and forgiveness appear together through Scripture. So David says, I'm going to read this to you. I was going to get you to read it as well, but there isn't time. In Psalm 103, 
He says this, praise the Lord, O my soul. We say this a lot, it's a, it's a popular psalm. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. What are God's benefits? What benefits? You know, we talk about how good God is. What does God's goodness look like? What are the benefits of relationship with God? Well, he lists them. He says he forgives all our sins and none of us will have any problem with all our sins being forgiven. That's what we've talked about in church for centuries now, particularly since the Reformation. We've got a great doctrine of salvation around the forgiveness of sins, release from sin's power and sin's penalty because of the cross. Amen? We understand that. We've got that one more or less nailed. But the next thing he says, remember, these are the benefits of knowing God. The next thing he says that he forgives your sins, he heals, and there's that wonderful word. All your disease forgives all. So we have no problem with he forgives all our sins. But we have a problem often with he heals all our diseases. But that's what it says, all right? Let's not make, squeeze it into our experience of you know, burying people. Let's just live with the scripture for a minute. He heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Sounds like the elixir of life. The benefit of knowing God. It gives energy to old people. That's what it's saying. That rocks. (laughs) But he forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. And in, in Matthew 9, the healing of the of the paralytic. Remember Jesus looks at him and they're kind of, the, the Pharisees are there and they're questioning him and he says, what's easier to say? Arise and take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven. And then he says, to show you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, arise, take up your mat and walk. Benefits of knowing God. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. In James, we looked at it the other, the other week, James 5, it says that the prayer of faith will raise him up and if he's, if he's sinned at all, then these things will also be forgiven him. Next sentence. They, they walk together as partners through scripture. Healing of disease, forgiveness of sin. Healing of disease, forgiveness of sin. What we've tended to do in our, in our kind of worldview is strip the spiritual from the physical. So we handle the forgiveness of sin, but when it comes to like material benefits, we have a query. And then we read our expectation of what redemption looks like into this prophecy. But I'm going to, if you just bear with me a minute, the, the final thing for me in this prophecy was, was, was what it says about <clears throat> the chastening for our well-being fell on him. All right, so I'm going to read it again. Our sicknesses he bore, our pains he carried. That's talking about physical suffering Jesus bore it on the cross yet we thought he was afflicted and smitten by God but he was pierced for our transgressions yes he bled and died for our sins he was crushed for our iniquities the chastening like the punishment for our well-being 
fell on him and by his stripes, by his beating, we are healed, physically healed. See, forgiveness of sins and healing of the body are walking together in this prophetic passage about the cross. Every bit of the suffering Jesus went through had purpose. So when he was whipped, it was so you and I could be healed. It wasn't a futile exercise. Hello? There was benefit in every part of the suffering. All the blood that he shed. I remember I had a vision years ago when I was preparing for one of these healing meetings. And I saw the blood coming out of Jesus. And God spoke to me about that verse. It says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And he started to speak to me. He says, in every drop of of blood that I shed, I saw sins being forgiven and demonized set free and health coming to millions of people. And that was joy to my soul and I went through the whole thing because I could see the benefit flowing out of my back to my people and to the world that was to come. And there was such joy because you know when someone gets saved there's joy in heaven, isn't there? There's incredible celebration in heaven. And there's joy. His joy takes delight in healing. He takes delight in salvation. He takes delight in setting people free from demons and demon oppression. And, and, and if you want to kind of finally nail it, it says the chastening for our well-being or the chastening for our peace, I think it says in the NIV, fell on him. And when I kind of understood that word, I thought, over and out, finished. This, has got, this is about more than just sins forgiven. When we, heard the word, when we hear the word peace, we think of inner peace. We think of you know, world peace, you know, no wars. And we think of peace between people, relational peace. And that's all true, but that isn't all that this means. We don't really have a word like it in the English language, which is why well-being is probably closer but doesn't do the whole deal. <clears throat> You're hanging in there. Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing so well here. Peace, there we go. The Hebrew word is shalom. And that is one Eddie Stobart articulated lorry load of meaning in one word. It's an Asda delivery to a superstore of a word. It's multi-layered, multi-dimensional, and and, and they still use it as a greeting, but it's packed. And so peace, the way we understand it, is only part of what this thing really means. So he's saying that he was chastened so that we could get something called shalom. And that isn't just peace. I'm at peace with God, I'm at peace with myself, hallelujah, that's good. But that's not all you get in shalom. So this juggernaut drives up and starts to unload into your life. Health, prosperity, 
good relationships. If you look in the definition, I can't fathom it in this preach. I haven't got time. But if you look at it in, uh, just get a strong concordance out. Look at the definition and the way that it's used in Scripture. This word shalom means blessing, favor, health, prosperity, soundness, and welfare. <laughs> prosperity, welfare, health, soundness, peace, blessing. Prosperity, health, welfare, soundness, peace, and blessing. How do I get this? Well, because Jesus was chastened. It's his all free. He already paid for the delivery. Uh, <laughs> how cool is that anybody who needs some blessing some welfare some peace some health some prosperity well he paid for it yes but you know our sins were forgiven yes they were but he took care of a whole lot more it's a bigger story Let, let, let me kind of... See, we almost feel it's illegal to believe that God could bless us in the physical realm. That it's almost selfish to believe that God's going to come and bless my finances or heal my body and I should just be grateful that I'm going to heaven and my sins are forgiven. How, and, and, and you know, this kind of moving it into... That's, that's kind of illegal and selfish and self-centered. It's not self-centered if Jesus bought and paid for it. If he, he suffered agony to park that pantechnican of blessing in your life. And you're like, well, oh, could possibly have this. That's saying a lot more about our view of who we are than about theology. If now I'm going to land this on you, and you can think about it for two weeks. If you don't believe that God can meet your material needs, you'll never fully seek first the kingdom of God. So all this altruistic, oh, I couldn't possibly believe, oh, it can't be like that. How, could, how can you believe that God, you know, this is so materialistic to think that God would bless your finances and all that kind of thing and bless your body. You know, how are you ever going to seek first the kingdom if you don't believe that God meets all your needs? I'll give you a clue. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So to do the first, you have to have faith for the second. And the second is clothes and, well, and food. Yeah, so that you read through Matthew 6, it says, Don't chase after material things like the Gentiles do, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because God is going to meet your material needs so that you can pursue his kingdom and his priorities hello he said Paul said you've met all my needs you've given to me and I'm saying to you church that the, the, the church that had sponsored him in uh, the Philippian church that had sponsored him as he went on his missionary journey my God is going to meet all your needs according to 
his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He was landing shalom on them that Jesus bought on the cross. And that freed them to seek first the kingdom. The cross dealt with the power of sin over us, the penalty of sin we deserved, and the power of Satan that bound us. He disarmed the powers and made a public display of them, triumphing over them through the cross. By Jesus, in his death, he destroyed him who has the power of death, that is the devil. So we are freed by the cross, qualified by the cross, positioned by the cross to benefit from all of God's benefits so that we can sing with David bless the Lord O my soul he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases the cross has positioned us and qualified us for all all of God's benefits the material ones and the spiritual ones the next time we'll deal with the already and not yet of the kingdom of God should we just pray Father, you're so good. Your benefits are extreme. Nobody has a benefits plan like yours. No one is as kind as you. No one is as merciful as you. No one is as loving as you. No one is as good as you. And Lord, I don't get why it doesn't work all the time. I have a few ideas. But Lord, I'm persuaded that you're good. You want to heal everybody. And you bought, bought it already. Huh. Your chastening bought me shalom. Your stripes bought me healing. You bore away my pain and my sickness. As well as forgave all my diseases. And I thank you. Forgave all my sins. And I thank you, Lord. And I thank you for what we're seeing. I thank you for the cloud the size of a man's hand that we're seeing as a church but that's very quickly going to grow and fill the whole sky and rain of blessing is going to fall everywhere over this church over this city (laughs) you're so good and Lord I repent of putting and blaming you for bad stuff that you didn't do And I repent for saying that you disappointed me. Lord, I believe you. And I know you're going to do amazing miracles through me and this congregation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't some of you do a bit of repenting right where you are? Just keep me company, eh? If you've got offended with God over this stuff, just say, God, I'm sorry. I want to receive from you all your benefits. I want to believe you, that you are the good God that you say you are. I want to receive healing for my diseases. I want to receive provision for my needs. I want to know a fullness of forgiveness. Thank you, God. I'm sorry I accused you of being bad when you're only good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It will be so, so good.
just the gentleness of God's on us after kind of a, a fun worship time. And he is so tender. You know, he's not accusatory or condemnatory or uh, he just loves <laughs> just loves us. He loves to heal us. He loves to show off his goodness. Uh, he loves to express his compassion by releasing people from pain and disease. Isn't that great? And his goal is to get you and I so convinced that we are dangerous every day to disease and the devil where we live and where we work. This isn't just so that we have a really healthy church, <laughs> as nice as that's going to be. It's to take something really amazing into the places that we learn, that we work, that we serve. Yeah? So you, want, you need to be convinced because he wants you to go lay hands on all those sick people where you work. And some of them are going to get well and you're going to be surprised. <laughs> but it's great. It's absolutely great. So we're, we're out of time, but if you're sick today and fresh faith came to you, we want to pray for you. So if we could have, we're just going to close, but we're going to have the ministry team people have a yellow badge. They stand out here. If you want prayer for anything really but sickness we want to pray for you if you're just cool with all that then we're going to have cake and coffee and enjoy our fellowship together and uh, yeah, it's just he's just so good he's beautiful to us thanks father amen let's, let's do that